increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. Are you looking to invest in short-term rentals in North Carolina or South Carolina? There's a lot of great markets there, but even more important the markets are that you find the right agent. And that's where my man, Tyler Kuhn comes into place. I personally used him for three purchases totaling over $3.5 million. And I would not look to anybody else. Just jump down into the show notes right here below the podcast, click on the link and book a free discovery call with Tyler to explore the opportunities in both North Carolina and South Carolina today. Hey everybody, welcome back to SCRonomics. I'm joined by my good friend Kenny, and he's wearing no Bama gear today. What's up with that, Kenny? <laughs> no, I've got to represent my hometown. No roll tide. I mean, come on, something's wrong in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're three and zero, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, they're always something to know, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, but that's what everybody wants. We all want to be undefeated, right? And I think that's so important. That's what everybody's striving to in our industry. And the topic that we're going to discuss today is really how you stay undefeated when you're pinned on your one yard line, right? And you got to march 99 yards down the field. How do you evaluate properties to purchase? Like literally you're in the middle of Nebraska or Kansas and it's just farms around you and there's nothing to be able to pull cons off of. Teddy, I'm going to let you lead in because you're the master with all the data. Uh, lead us down that data side of uh, how do you how would you, how would you personally evaluate a property with either very little or bad cons? Sure. Okay. So I mean, it's a loaded question. All right. So basically, I, I've kind of been on this new rampage of trying to keep things very simple and breaking it down for people. And so there's three big things that really influence revenue. And, uh, and even in an Airbnb listing. So what I, so the, the three things are, I'll, I'll say the three things and they're obvious things. They're one, the quality of the property. So the interior, the exterior, you know, is it a nice property? Is it updated or does it need touch-ups? Uh, the second thing is- Hold on, let's talk about that for a second. Let's go a little bit deeper. Okay. But what else about the quality of the property goes into it outside of just like interior and exterior? Um, I, I mean, I would also throw in with that and I, you know, I know you have some opinions too, but I mean, and a big obvious one is that should be a part of it is when you post pictures of the interior design and decor and everything, which I think those are two separate decor is obviously one quality of pictures on your listing is huge. Most people listening to this, I assume already know that, but and, and, and not everybody does it right. Exactly. So, I mean, you're out in the, what, actually, let me ask you this about the pictures real quick. What percentage of people do you believe? I, I mean, we, we don't have any, you can't tell through SCR Insights or whatever if it's new, if it's professional photos or if I took it with my iPhone. I'm going to guess that probably less than 50 to 60% of photos are professionally taken in our industry as a whole. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, my favorite response depends on the market. Yeah. But just as a whole, just in yeah, general. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I'd probably say like 50%. Because here's what I think is really important. You can have a top-notch quality property, good bones, great exterior, good-looking backyard, great interior. But if you have shitty pictures, it looks like it's a dud in your listings, right? 
I would I would even go to say further, like the the pitcher quality, you know, when we say, you know, shitty pitchers, what does that really mean? You know, it, yes, we're yeah, the iPhone taking shots on your iPhone, but something else like you can't just go get any photographer to come take your shots. You need someone who understands short term rental photography. There's a lot of real estate photographers out there who don't understand that. And and so I guess, Bill, a question to you is why is that important? They understand what's the I guess what's the difference between short term rental real estate photography and like you're selling someone's house. Real estate so ironic that you bring that up. And if you and if you don't believe me, you can see me typing like where Tenny said, number one's quality. We haven't discussed this. I'm typing it out to put it in the banner to show you guys, because this is always like. It's all ad-lib. This is all just us talking. It's not scripted. And it's funny you mention that. I, and I'm just going to use Western North Carolina. The photographers suck uh, in, you know, the Boone, Blowing Rock, Banner Elk, Beach Mountain area. So I have a photographer that I use for my Banner Elk property out of, uh, out of South Carolina, Hilton Head. And he came and shot it. And most of you, if you follow me, you've probably seen the pictures. They're great. They're, they're, they're edited well. The angles are good. I got whole room pictures. There's some artistics mixed in, but he didn't do the last two properties. Literally, he contracted out to somebody to do them, and he had to come back yesterday to reshoot both properties. So as an example, the guy didn't have a, a this is my number one cut peeve with a photographer. They all should be able to get the lighting and the editing right, but they screw up sometimes like cabinet colors when they're editing. And, and understand, your photographer doesn't edit. They're sending those to BAs to edit, and they don't tell them that your cabinets are soft blue. So, like, literally, we got kitchen cabinets green, which was stupid. Um, but the big thing for me is the the guy that the photographer that he contracted, probably out of Boone or someplace, right, didn't have a wide enough lens to shoot a wide angle. And I have five pictures of a master bathroom, and it's like piece by piece by piece. So one of them, he tried to get the sink on the right hand side and the bathtub on the left hand side, and there's a fucking door jam right in the middle of the picture. And I had six of those, six what I call door jam pictures. And I called the photographer, I'm like, what the fuck? I can't use these. And he hadn't even looked at them at quality control. And he farmed it out to, to somebody else. I was pissed. I got 1100 bucks uh, for photos and a walkthrough video, not a mad report. The video was great. The photos just really, 50% of them were not usable. So I think it's not, it's your pictures tell a story Right. And there needs to be the emotional component of what the guest is going to experience when they walk in. That's what I think is really important. And we have a limited number of photos. I don't care if you can upload a hundred photos to Airbnb. People are looking at like 20 to 30 photos and making a decision. Ain't nobody got time to scroll through a hundred photos and read all of our copy underneath it. That will help from potentially an SEO standpoint, but it's not good. People are not going that deep. So we need to front load are great pictures. That means that we need to have full room shots. I can't have three shots or five shots of a bedroom. I, in my opinion, I should have two shots per bedroom, two shots per bathroom, basically two shots for every single room. That way, if I have a six, four, or even a seven, five, I should be able to get that done at least internally in 35 to 40 images. And then I can use the rest of the 10 to get to that 50 image mark on the exterior. And I had a really big challenge with that at my Banderelt property because it's massive, right? And I had to go into Canva and combine like my game room. And I took four photos and put them into, you know, the, the Canva template where it does the cross and mill one, two, three, four. 
in my game room. And then I did the same thing in the guest house because this little guest house has two full-size bedrooms, en-suites, kitchen, laundry, and the family room. That's like a whole house. So I've got to condense. So if they don't get me the right photos to where I can do that, and even in the right um, you know, pixel width and height, then it becomes very challenging. There's, we heard Kelvin Ma talk about this at the Miami retreat. Kenny talks about it. And Kelvin, if you don't know Kelvin Ma, is the CEO and founder of Rankbreeze. Kenny's the, the data, the number one data analysis guy in SDR Insights in our industry. And then you look at me, I'm the guy that maximizes ADR, maximizes revenue and profit. We are all saying the same fucking thing. Photos, photos, photos. So you can take a high quality property and absolutely ruin it with that photos. So the interesting thing, I was just telling Kenny, this property, this ski and ski out property, I've got, I'm using the shitty photos. I should pop up the listing, I swear to you, because we're still using Bria's, my wife's iPhone photo. The photos were so bad, I didn't upload them and I couldn't have a mix of Bria's like low lit, you know, bad. I, I don't want to say they're bad. She's a good photographer for the equipment that she has, but there's no comparison to using you know, multi-flash and a high-end DSCR, DS, I keep wanting to say DSCR, you know, DLSCR cameras and that type of stuff. That makes or breaks a listing. So one of the things that I look at in the quality that Kenny's mentioning, and quality is a big word. We, we might interpret quality differently. Kenny, you know, if we, if we take John Hodge, he's looking at the boats. He wants to look at the plumbing and the wiring. And, you know, he's looking at the, the all the construction stuff. I mean, I'm looking at the marketability of it. Kenny may be looking at something else, right? So I think you got to look at quality as a very overarching, you know, really term, you know, to be honest with you. But I think it all ties down for me. I want to visualize it, how it's going to look in my listing or on my direct booking site and how it's going to look in social media. Are you looking to purchase an STR in the Western North Carolina mountains? the high country, maybe even on, on the beach of North Carolina and the OBX or all the way down into Hilton Head, South Carolina. My man, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty has you covered. And one of the things that I love about Tyler is he specializes in short-term rentals. He takes a no BS approach, is honest and is filled with integrity. How do I know this? Because I've used Tyler on three transactions totaling almost three and a half million dollars, and he has absolutely crushed it for me. Look, if you're not sure where you should invest, he's based out of Asheville, North Carolina. He helped me invest in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and Beach Mountain, North Carolina. He's not only just a real estate agent that specializes in short-term rentals, Tyler is also an owner of short-term rentals and owns a management company. So one of the biggest hurdles for us mentally is to get over, how do I find cleaners? How do I find handymen? How do I find a plumber? Well, you know what? Tyler's dialed in and he helps his clients navigate those issues. So if you're looking to invest pretty much anywhere in the Carolinas, Tyler Kuhn from Savvy Realty is your man. And right now he's actually doing a free discovery call. You can click down on the link in the notes and set up your free discovery call with Tyler today. So number two is location. So I always say, you know, look, we hear that location, 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 but it's really important, especially in, you know, these, these boonie markets, you know, that we're looking into. Well, I say, you know, boonie markets. I mean, so markets where there are a lot of data or what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, really anywhere it's, it's actually, a, you know, probably the, the biggest landmass that <laughs> be considered boonie. But why, 
you got to think about why are people going, would be going to that market? What's the attraction? What's the draw? Uh, and is it, is it seasonal? You know, seasonality really impacts these markets. So are you okay with investing in an extremely seasonal market where you, you might have a really hard time filling in, you know, those, those gap months. So the location, <laughs> so understanding the location is and the draw your audience. Who's, who's your target customer? Why are they coming to this town in the middle of nowhere? You know, does it have, you know, some sort of lake or, you know, mountain views or something like that, that they're, they're attracted to. If you don't know the answer to that, uh, don't, you should stop looking into that property. Uh, Cause that, that is, that's probably one of the biggest pitfalls I've seen is I'll have investors send me a property and I'll say, well, what's the attraction? Why are you sending this to me if it's out in the middle of nowhere? And they're like, well, it looks, it's a really nice property. It's got the quality. It meets all the things that we, we literally just talked about number one. Um, but then number two, it's just, they, they don't know the answer to that. And it's like, well, you're taking a massive risk because there's not a lot of data there. And you want my opinion. My opinion is run away because we don't know unless you're, unless you are in that market and you have the expertise <laughs> of that. The, you know? the location is always going to be directly correlated to how much it's going to benefit from the traffic driver, right? Or the multiple traffic drivers that are going to be in the market. Ironically, again, I have another story to tell, and we'll take seven minutes this time. I, <laughs> I opened up Facebook this morning, and Tony Bohr or Bear, I think it's Bohr, I didn't say her name. Yep. She's an agent and an investor in Kentucky. Really focuses in like Lexington, Louisville on the Bourbon Trail. She posted an amazing property, very high quality, nine bedrooms, either nine bedroom, seven bath, or seven bedroom, nine bath uh, on like 10 acres uh, in Mammoth Caves. So that's literally like 45 minutes north of Bowling Green, uh, Kentucky. That's 90 minutes from Nashville, 90 minutes from Louisville, like right in between two. And you've got two great markets there. Nashville, I believe, is still a top five or top 10 market in, in all of, forget, we'll, we'll talk about regulation later, but uh, Louisville, strong market, Bourbon Trail, strong, especially because of the buried entry, right? This place was $8.99, so it caught my eye. And I just fell in love with the property. I fell in love with everything. And Mammoth Tays, does some traffic. There, I've been to those caves before with my kids. But you know what? It doesn't do do Dollywood traffic. It doesn't do Beach Mountain traffic. It does not do Ober traffic. It doesn't do, you know, the Gulf traffic to 30A or Gulf Shores or whatever it is. And I think that's one of the problems. Like we, I know uh, people are saying that there's a lot of haters in, in my Built Short-Term Rental Wealth uh, group about, you know, North Georgia. Well, they don't have a traffic, a major traffic driver, right? And that the location's great and it's beautiful and there's creeks and there's rivers like Hiawassee. But when you're 20, 20 minutes from Hiawassee or 10 minutes from a creek and 15 minutes or 20 minutes from downtown LJ or Blue Ridge or whatever that is, it's going to become super challenging because the, the people want to be close to the traffic drivers, right? So I think that location uh, for me, honestly, is probably number one. I'm not saying to put it in front of quality because I think all of these are important. And I talk about like in marketing, you have to stack value. You need to stack these things that Kenny's numbering here as well. I don't, I, you have to have a lot, probably over 50th percentile of all of these, at least I do, to pull the trigger. And especially when you can't go in and, and you know, click on a button and see those comps, that makes it really, really challenging. Because, and this is the stuff that even when you do have high comps, you need to be evaluating this as well. Yeah. So I, I guess, well, let me ask you, I mean, what did, so that property you said that in Mammoth Lakes or Mammoth Mammoth Caves. Yeah. So you're, you don't think it's a good idea simply because uh, okay. quality, I would invest into it. Price point, 
I would invest into it. I didn't even run it through STR Insights or Air Day or Rambo or anything else because of the location. I mean, a lot of, and a lot of people will look at that as a good location because it has Mammoth Lakes National Park, Mammoth Caves, there's a national park there. It's very small, but they have this cave attraction. Uh, but I can't find any numbers. It's not doing two, three million people a year. It may do a couple of hundred thousand, and that's not good enough for me to make a $900,000 investment. Right. So I, so I literally X that one out and move on. There's so much opportunity. We have to get this part right every single time. Yeah. So I want to, I want to kind of bring a different approach to it because um, I had a conversation with a realtor, very similar, uh, Matthew McCollin in Michigan, um, very experienced dude, knows Michigan like the back of his hand. He sent me this property and he goes, Kenny, I want your third party, you know, you're like, what, what's your opinion of this property and the data on it? And the, so the quality of the property was beautiful. The, you know, everything was nice. It had a pool, it had a hot tub and it was really unique for that area. None of the other properties in that market, none of the other like 20 properties, not many had no, none of them had pools or hot tubs. However, the other properties were all on a lake. This property was not on a lake, but it, it trumped the those properties in different category and he said kenny tell me what you think the revenue number is and i said matt i i can't i can't tell you a number because there's no data i don't know that market well enough it's a beautiful looking property but i personally without knowing anything other than oh it looks good it it's not something i would go and invest in it could be a good deal it could not there's no data to back it up and so he said well okay i do know the market. And he's like, I actually think it would do well. And he started to tell me why. And then it dawned on me that the best way to do this, and this is a new strategy that I'm I'm looking into, especially for me, not knowing that market and seeing any data available is to find similar markets, which is harder to do similar markets and similar situations. It's almost like a comp of a market to see if there's properties there to, to get remotely close. Now, this is risky, guys. This is not something that the average investor, short-term rental investor should be attempting to do. But Matt, had, I talked to him, I said, I personally would never do that in a thousand years because I don't have the ex expertise or the knowledge of that area. I, I just would never do that personally. However, I said, Matt, how many properties do you have within a hundred mile radius of that? And he says, I manage, or I have five properties in that area. And I said, Matt, do they, or do they have to be on the lake to make you money? He goes, actually, I have several that are off the lake that are crushing it. And it's because they have these amenities, these other things. And I said, is that the driver? Is the location? People are going there to be on the lake. Is that the main reason? He goes, no, there's actually wedding menus nearby. And this is really why they're there. And the fact that this property has a point is going off about it. And I'm like, okay, so I can't give you an opinion of that revenue, but your expertise in that market gives you the advantage. If you have a comparable market and a comparable example of properties off that are nearby in the vicinity of that region, then it could be a good deal, but there's risk in that. So the only way to mitigate that risk is with experience. So what I'm getting at is for people who do not understand a region or a market and you find a random property that does not have a good location, you need to stay away from it. It could be a great deal. 
but the, the there is a considerable amount of, amount of risk that you're going to take investing in that property, but it can be mitigated with experience. But I guarantee you, most of us do not have that experience to do that. Anyway, that was pretty long. I was like almost five minutes. Hey, you be quiet for five minutes and not interrupt. I'm giving myself a pat on the back. Yeah, there you go. I saw you like you're shaking, you're raising your hand. I'm like moving in, moving into the microphone. I'm taking it over. I want to add something onto that. And, and Teddy's 100% correct. And when I raise my hand, there's not a bloody chance in hell at most lake markets that I would ever, ever invest off the lake. But many of you know I'm, I invest at Smith Lake. Most of you don't know where that is. So I'm going to use Lake Havasu or Lake Travis that are two really famous lakes in the country that most people know, those are completely different than Flathead Lake. And if you've ever heard of Flathead Lake, it's just south of Whitefish, Montana. It's the largest, I believe the largest lake west of the Mississippi. It's beautiful. It's a huge vacation rental area up there in like Big Fork and some what Southern Whitefish all the way down to Polson, Montana. That's definitively a place that I would invest into today and not be lakefront. But you still you have to have the view of the lake and you have to have the other natural amenities that Kenny's talking about. Once again, that's the experience of researching that market every fucking day for two and a half years. I did not believe that two and a half years ago when I first started looking into this market. But I would not apply that at my lake. At Smith Lake, north of Birmingham, Alabama, and south of Nashville, just would not work. That's where that local experience, and I, I'm sure whatever, I can't remember the name of the agent, I'm sure he's great, but don't trust your agent either. You got to do this on your own. You got to do your own research. And a lot of this, in my opinion, comes from running countless numbers on STR Insights or AirDNA, whatever tool you use on properties on and off the lake in comparable properties. But the other thing that Kenny keeps mentioning, a lot of it has to do with the amenities. So you, you can be in a lesser location and out, out amenity, the top look. All right, I guess I got to type that in. Yes. Kenny's already, Kenny's already, you know, jumping in. I didn't fucking interrupt him, but look at what he does to me. Now, no, I'm in it. Like you hit it. Like that's a good segue. Okay. You got to out amenity. If you have a, a less location, you have to out amenity that, right? Yeah. So what's number three, Kenny? Amenities. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, let me throw this out there. So I was running a report. I spelled this correctly. Remember, I'm a college dropout. You did. We've gone for spell check. I'm not, I, I don't know how to spell either. <laughs> it doesn't have a number, Kenny. It's can't do it. Right now. So I was, I was running some uh, market data of particular markets, and I wanted to see what was the impact on revenue that particular amenities had. And then I wanted to look at the impact of what does overall amenities have on revenue. And I mean, the answer was, uh, it's around 60%. So what's the other 40%? In my opinion, because I don't physically know, because I don't have the actual data to, to back this yet, but location and then the quality of the properties and, you know, how many, well, that I, I consider how many guests and, and all the other ratings reviews <laughs> part of the amenities bucket. But um, the amenities take up 60% of what your revenue is. So, you know, stacking on important amenities onto your property, you know, I, so, you know, we have this discussion about adding the mosquito net and shoving, you know, high, putting it in the closet somewhere where, you know, you're never going to use that. That helps you with your ranking, but having the correct amenities that drive and impact your revenue is really the key in what builds up to that, you know, 60% impact. 
So I, I think that that's really, um, especially for markets you're evaluating in the middle of nowhere or there's not a good comps, are what are the amenities of the current properties and can you out amenity them? Is your the property you're evaluating, does it have some sort of unique aspect to it? The swimming pool or the the sweeping views or, you know, I don't know, like it's easy, ex easily accessible compared to some of these other properties. I mean, those are things that really can impact your revenue in these markets that are in the middle of nowhere. Those are really good points. I mean, I love amenities. I, I do. <laughs> I check every box. I have mosquito nets at my properties. I didn't, honestly, until I started the mastermind and met Eric. And that's why I call it the Carico method. You know, I don't know if you remember, I think it might have been at Gulf Shores, the very first meeting we did. And he talked about that and, you know, he kind of, bathrooms. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's in, he's infatuated with bathrooms and it makes total sense. You know, what's interesting. And I, I look at, I kind of almost view bathrooms as an amenity, Kenny, especially it, when you, when you look in these mountain uh, areas and, you know, the worst is Island Park, Island Park, Idaho might be the worst. I mean, I can tell you, I've seen eight bedroom, two baths. I've seen a four bedroom, one bath. Wow. Um, I mean, Scott Sarver's one that pointed out the eight bedroom, two bathrooms, new construction. And he was looking to negotiate. I said, dude, you got to get that up to five bathrooms or do not buy it. So literally they're going to put like two bathrooms back to back so they could draw them to the same plumbing and all that type of stuff. I'm like, that's fine. As long as it works, but you got to get to, you can't have like an eight, four, you can't pack 22 people or 20 people into a property with, you know, freaking four bathrooms. It just doesn't work. And that's the psychological component. It's not even just, you know, looking at numbers. People are, are sitting there and they're thinking, wow, this property's great location, great quality, got every amenity, but there's not enough bathrooms. So how do you have it? And you think, and you got to think in terms, this is why I don't like three bedroom, two baths, because it's really challenging for two families to stay in a property. It's really a single family home, as opposed to a multifamily home that have multiple, you know, children. So, you know, in, in about five, six, seven years, the, the bedwells and, and the face wouldn't be able to vacation together. You know, once Kenny's child is older in that five, six, seven year old range where, I mean, I got two daughters, he's got, you know, a child. And I mean, where do you, where do you put a fam, two families together in a three bedroom? That's why I'm not a three bedroom fan. The same thing happens if you have four five, six bedrooms with not enough bathrooms. And I think we need to really evaluate that. And for me, a lot of people look at pools, hot tubs, that type of stuff. The game rooms, uh, you know, fire pants is the top amenities. I kind of, I, I believe what Eric's saying. I think the the configuration of of the bedroom count and the bathroom counts something that most people don't pay enough attention to. Yeah, I agree. It all comes back to this funnel of understanding who is coming to that particular market. Mm -hmm. I think of the Island Park example and working with Scott Server and him trying to figure out how much revenue a new construction property in this particular like location in Island Park, you know, there's no other new construction homes that are of eight bedrooms. You know, uh, there are some eight bedrooms they are older, you know, they, they don't have the bathrooms or whatever. Some of them have views. Some of them are on a lake. The property he was looking at didn't have either, but it was in the, well, you know, what property I'm talking about, right? It was it that one or was it another one? I think we're talking about the same property. Yeah, it's new construction. We're talking about the same property. I think it's in the golf course community as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And, you know, we were trying to evaluate in terms of revenue. I didn't know about the bathroom thing, but what really could it make? Because it's unique. It's the only type of property in that area. And I just kept coming back to, I was running some analysis for him, trying to see, you know, okay, would it matter? Does it have to be on the lake? Do the mountain views really, really matter? Like, is that why people are going there? But it all comes back to 
why are people going to that market? They're going there to go to Yellowstone, then the the mountain views, you know, you gotta drive to the to to get a mountain view in that area or you know, even the lake. It's like uh, a desert out there. Yeah, like you gotta so like that's not so are people staying there for that or for the reason? So you gotta really I I mean, in my opinion, I mean you gotta go there. You gotta be a guest in that market if you're unfamiliar with that market. And you got to try to talk to people there too to see why are they there, what are they doing, um, to answer that question. I mean, that's the only way. If you don't know that market, uh, or you're just going to have to rely on people in that market, like realtors, which is, in my opinion, uh, a little bit dangerous. Not, I'm not, I don't want to slam, you know, say that all realtors are bad or anything, but they have one intention, and that's to sell you something. Exactly. So you want to take an unbiased approach to it. You want to find people who are unbiased about it. Let's use, I'm going to take, I'm going to give you another example I discussed with Terry Allred, who was in my host Academy program. Uh, we had a coaching call yesterday and I'm actually have, oh, did you meet Bill Carmen down in Miami at the retreat? My buddy that I brought down there that I co-host for in Gulf Shores. Wait, was he, oh, he was at the retreat. Yeah. Really, really good guy. Uh, anyways, I'm taking him uh, it was a client and a friend and one of his friends and then another couple from Idaho. And we're going to West Yellowstone to do four days of private snowmobiling tours through Yellowstone in January. Freaking super stoked. We are staying at a shitty $89 hotel right in the heart of West Yellowstone because we didn't want to stay in Island Park and drive the 15, 15 to 25, 30 minutes because of the potential weather. We... Would have preferred to stay in Big Sky and willing to pay the rates to stay up there. But once again, it's 45 minutes to get down to West Yellowstone where the embarkation starts, right? That's where you get your gear, get on the snowmobiles, you drive in the main entrance, just like cars do, going in the west entrance on the road, and then you go do your stuff, right? So you think about that's super important from a location standpoint. The other thing I'll tell you, like in that area, when you get in the Cameron, West Yellowstone, Island Park area, that's, it's, it's an underserviced, it's underserviced from a hosting standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'd be interested to know what the star ratings are there. I know, Kenny, you can get that through STR Insights, but it's, they don't have the amenities. They don't have the level of hosting uh, that you see other places. I mean, like when you take the level of hosting in, in Island Park or even West Yellowstone, you move up to Big Sky or move up to like the Bozeman area, the Paradise Valley, Valley area, it's completely different. So I do look at that as one of the things I look at that makes it become investable because and I, I guess I put that under the amenities because I, I don't see like s'mores kits or welcome gifts or, uh, you know, many places don't have hot tubs or fire pits or any of that type of stuff. Right. And, you know, I mean, I would literally have snowshoes and skis and all this stuff like marketed ready for them. Hey, we've got this in our garage. You know, you can leave a lot of that stuff at home. And that's something I just carry over from starting at a beach. When I first started, I didn't let, I didn't have beach towels for people. I didn't have a golf cart. I didn't have paddle boards. I didn't have any of that stuff. I, I, I did what everybody else was doing. And I'm like, you know what? I can get a competitive advantage. Let's, and I added two paddle boards and two, two kayaks. And then I spent seven grand on a golf cart, you know? And then I just started layering on all of these different amenities. And what I found is my revenue kept going up. I could charge more. I could charge more. I could charge more. I could charge more. But understand when you go and and it's a little bit different because I share everything publicly. But when you go into a market like an island park, I believe you have a huge competitive advantage. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I was all over when Kenny's the one that introduced me to Vanderbilt, North Carolina, eight months ago. 
And, you know, I've gone in and spent a couple of million dollars there on a couple of different properties. And still, it's it's escalating quickly because I've got people in our mastermind and stuff that are investing there and the host economy and they're leveling up. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing because they're going to drive up ADR, which means I can charge more as well. But I, I Kenny, I wish I would have known these three when I first started. Um, and even if you've been, even if you have five or 10 or 50 properties, you really need to do, drill down on all three of these. What would your guests say that even give you five-star reviews about the quality on your property? How many times have you gotten a five-star review and, and they and they privately say, but there were these one, two, three things that you that we would do if we hosted, or you could probably do better, or we didn't want to rate, you know, in the public review. When I first started and and my mentality is is well, you know, why are you bitching now? Now it's like, thank you for giving me that feedback. Right. I really appreciate it. So I can improve and move forward on it. And I think that really ties into the quality. So I love those three. Do we have a fourth one or is that it? Um, that's it. Awesome. That, that, that's well, that's a wrap. Yeah. I mean, I let me let me say this. I think there's a fine line between making an investment decision and gambling. So that's a great point. Yeah. If you can't, yeah. I, I mean, basically, if you can't answer those three points that we just talked about. Um, like feel confident in and, and yeah, I mean, it's all about the confidence. You can't answer those three things. Uh, the, each of those points, the location, the quality of amenities, you're gambling. Agreed. A hundred percent. Don't gamble folks. Take it from somebody that's gambled plenty of those younger life. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> <Long> black. <laughs> Always been on black, baby. Always. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully this has been helpful for you guys. Happy hosting. Kenny and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to STRonomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.